The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio and David's Pick. And uh, we've got a very interesting show today and uh, we have a... A, a great defense attorney, uh, Mike Stark, on, and uh, Mike will be joining us in a minute. But as always, with David's pick and uh, our generally our veteran shows, we start off the show with a moment of silent prayer for our veterans and for those that are on active duty now, and uh, those that have given the ultimate sacrifice. So we'll be back in one minute. Thank you, and I'm in. And we uh, do one other thing, and Mike, I know, is on the line listening to us. And uh, that is that I don't think anybody that's ever served didn't enjoy the Jodies. Okay, can you get that extra half mile? Okay, there we go. And uh, I want to welcome Mike Stark. This is going to be, I've never done a show like this before, Mike, but I want to welcome you to America's Web Radio and uh, looking forward to the interview. And uh, I'm sorry for your client that we have to uh, have to do it he shouldn't he he should be free but uh mike welcome to america's web radio thanks very much i i agree he shouldn't have to do it and you know hopefully we'll we'll have a uh, bail hearing soon that that may allow him to at least wait out uh his trial uh under house arrest with a uh, first sergeant friend of his from the service. Well, uh, uh, but, uh, we may be getting but, uh, a, uh, putting the cart before the horse, so uh, let's uh, digress just a minute, and uh, uh, I'm going to turn it over to you to set up what is going on, and we're talking about a Gulf War veteran that uh, is well documented and you know, we would class as America's Web Radio and David's Pick a hero of the Gulf War and some of the things that he did to help others. So with that being said, uh, Mike, uh, 
I'm going to turn it over to you, and I'm going to do like everybody else is doing, and that's listen. And uh, if uh, I have a military or other question, I'll just jump in and ask you. So with that, it's all yours. Great, thanks. So just real briefly back on me, I did four years in the Marines, but it was during peacetime, and I was in the air wing. So I have heard a lot about Alejandro Gonzalez's, Staff Sergeant Alejandro Gonzalez's experience both in Iraq and Afghanistan, but they aren't experiences that I had. So if I misspeak uh, and your veteran audience uh, you know, notices something that I've said that might be slightly wrong, uh, you know, just cut me a little bit of slack. Um, I'm going to do my best. Uh, but Alejandro uh, Gonzalez, uh, you know, signed up uh, right after 9-11 to uh, go do what was asked of him. He actually wanted to box. He, he, had, he wanted to box for the Army. Um, and he'd actually had a sponsor back in his early uh, 20s and teens, a former WBA uh, champion that had uh, been paying for his boxing lessons and uh, helping him come up. Uh, but he decided he wanted to box for the Army, so he joins the Army, and then Iraq happened. So he sent to Iraq, and his first experience in Iraq, his very first experience, he's at the Mosul Chow Hall, inside the Chow Hall, in the uh, November, I think it was 2004, uh suicide bombing at the time it was the most deadly attack in the iraq war uh it killed i think over 20 people including 13 or 14 united states service members uh three or four contractors and some iraqi national guards uh what had happened was one of the iraqi national guard had strapped himself down with a bunch of explosives and bolts and nuts and, uh, you know, metal shrapnel stuff and uh, just blew himself up and he he, uh, took a lot of people with him. Alejandro only survived because there was a guy in front of him in line who uh, took a big part of the blast and Alejandro saw him get just blown to smithereens. Uh, That night, Alejandro went out on a mission. His his job was a combat engineer. And uh, as part of the job, you know, what he was responsible for was clearing routes so that troops could move freely. And what that meant was discovering IEDs and uh, either calling in the disposal unit or finding some other way of, uh, you know, uh, neutralizing them. Eventually, he became the commander of a uh, striker unit. Um, He uh, ended up leaving the service as a staff sergeant, forcibly medically retired, because you can be driving around these strikers, which are up-armored, and they prevent shrapnel from tearing you to pieces and killing you that way. But what they don't prevent is the shockwave. So your striker discovers one of these IEDs, as often as not, by blowing it up. And this happened to Alejandro eight times. And in the immediate aftermath, you're dealing with a shockwave. And, you know, I guess the best way for a layman like me to uh, think of it is kind of like the flashbang grenades police use to uh, disorient, uh, you know, people inside a structure that they're trying to uh, get into. Um, 
you know, the shockwave comes through, it rattles your skull, and, you know, for a couple of minutes afterward, people are recovering from that, speaking gibberish, incapable of doing, you know, the things that they need to be doing. Well, he's got one commendation for, you know, exact, exactly that, uh, being blown up, speaking gibberish, and immediately jumping up and um, manning the M4 and laying down some suppressive fire. And the reason that's important is because the insurgents figured out that, you know, if the IEDs themselves weren't killing people, they could form, you know, groups, gangs around the IEDs. And when it went off, they could quickly move in and kill people while they were disoriented. And, uh, you know, that's what one of his commendations was for, was for not allowing that to happen, protecting his, his, uh, striker vehicle and not everybody inside it and around it by immediately after being blown up and they said he was still speaking gibberish when he got up and he uh you know started uh jumped up into the turret and started laying down the suppressor fire he's got other uh commendations for stringing concertina wire across a bridge while under heavy small arms fire uh denying the enemy the opportunity to overrun their position when he was in uh, Afghanistan, they're out on a mission. He uh, picked up an injured young girl and brought her back to the FOB to get medical treatment that 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 saved her saved her life. Uh, ultimately, you know, he was blown up eight times in Iraq and uh, Afghanistan, and uh, you know, he says that he uh, he cried. Uh, they, they, they forced him to take this test for traumatic brain injury and he didn't want to leave. He didn't want any kind of disability. He wanted to stay in the service and keep serving with his brothers. Um, but the test came back positive and he was forcibly medically retired at a hundred percent. So he came home and, uh, you know, for a little while he was lost. I, I think this is another fairly common experience for, for some of our veterans, he was a striker commander and he had all his brothers around him and they relied on him and he relied on them and he had these great relationships and now he's got nothing. He, he's just turned loose onto the streets of Atlanta. And, you know, he was lost for a little while, but he, 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 he started thinking and he said, well, you know what? I still have those boxing skills. And he took a look around him and he said, and I, I can use them. And he started a small business teaching at-risk kids how to box. And what I mean by at-risk kids I mean, is gang members, you know, people that wanted to get out of gang life and wanted to, you know, uh, have a future for themselves. Mike, Mike, if I can, I want to interrupt for one second. And just, you know, this is something that we find extremely sad is the fact that only 1% of our country ever serves. And for Alejandro... It, it, to come back and be lost, and I can certainly understand the PTSD, and we we do a lot with uh, organizations that work with uh, our veterans. But you know, your story about what was happening with the striker and all this, and Alejandro, ninety nine point nine percent of civilians have no clue about what you're talking about. And they've never experienced it, obviously, nor will they ever. And yet this is, you know, the the pains of war. And, the, and the, you know, 
he, Alejandro, I don't know him, but, you know, um, it's just the subtle me, uh, and silent effects. Let me, let me add something that might really uh, take this home for your listeners. Um, Alejandro's got three faces tattooed on his arm. They are soldiers that he had under his command that he lost. Uh, during some of these operations. Um, you know, it was his way of never leaving them behind. Um, and, and I talked to him, and we bring up Iraq, and we have to take breaks. He, um, I don't think he ever felt right about coming home. And yeah, leaving you, you, his brothers. You get the syndrome, I made it, and I don't know if they are going to or not. And that's, you know, extremely common with vets. And uh, particularly those that have served under heavy fire. And then what he's dealing with also is all these vets are just coming out of nowhere when they hear Alejandro's story. Hey, I served with him. I want to help. I, and he's he's getting letters from them, and he's so enormously, you know, moved by it. You know, some of these guys are still in service. Some of these guys aren't. Some of these guys have also come home. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, look, the fact that we need veterans assistance organizations is kind of a damnation itself. Um, we shouldn't need any kind of veteran homeless assistance or 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 anything at all like that that's true um uh, we need mike we need to take a break right quick our first one and uh we'll be back yep. with mike stark right after a couple of messages from our sponsors we'll be back Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on David's Pick and America's Web Radio with our special guest, Mike Stark, who is the lead attorney for Alejandro Gonzalez that uh, is taking the shaft right now, unfortunately, and is we, we support him. And, uh, Mike, I'm going to turn it back to you. Yeah, so... You've got an idea of who Alejandro the man is. He comes back and he starts a small business teaching at-risk kids out of box. He's got a couple of kids of his own, age 13, and, uh, well, now he's seven, but at the time he was six years old. And for Labor Day weekend, he decided he was going to drive from Atlanta up to, uh, you know, Baltimore to visit his mother and let the kids see their grandma. You know, visit the grandma's house. And from there, they were going to leave Baltimore and drive up to New York City to see Alejandro's grandma, 
and let the kids see their 94-year-old great-grandma. Well, they didn't make it because uh, when they got to Baltimore to see grandma, they noticed a whole bunch of cats hanging out along her patio, around her patio. And she had never been a cat lady, but she lives in an apartment complex, and above her is another apartment with a balcony that hangs over her patio. So Alejandro says, Mom, he never liked cats. Why are you feeding all these cats? And she says, well, turn it upstairs, my upstairs neighbor. He doesn't like walking this trash down to the dumpster, so he lets it stack up on his balcony. And when the trash leaks down here, it attracts mice. I figured out if I feed the neighborhood cats, I won't have any mice problems. So, oh, geez, nah, that's that's ridiculous. Just tell him to empty his trash, take his trash down. You know, you shouldn't have to live with it. It's not just mice, it's flies and smell and all the rest. I tried talking to him, but, you know, I'm 66 years old. I'm an old lady. What am I going to do? He's a 20-year-old, he, he, and he's got no respect. She says, I tried talking to him, too, about, you know, every time he opens the door up there, or he doesn't even have to open the door. I can smell the marijuana smoke down in my apartment. They smoke so much up there. And, you know, he's got two young babies. And, you know, she's a nurse. So she said, I, I tried talking to him about, you know, the effects of the smoke on the babies. And it might not be the best situation. And, you know, the neighbor just started barking at me, screaming about how oh, I'm not going to tell him to raise his kids. And I'm not going to disrespect him that way and, and all the rest. So, so I said, well, maybe I can talk to him, Mom. And sure enough, he had the opportunity because this was on Labor Day. It was pretty nice out. And the guy came out onto his balcony. And Alejandro called up to him, and they started a discussion. And, you know, it's pretty much led with, hey, don't talk to my mom the way you've been talking to my mom. And it ended with a whole bunch of threats. I'll talk to her however I want to, and I'm going to F you up, and, you know, we're going to take care of this right now, MFR, and, you know, don't you go anywhere. And, and, and then the guy upstairs goes inside to make a call. Now, Alejandro's not a dummy. He's teaching at-risk kids how to box down in Atlanta. He knows a gang member when he sees one, and he knows exactly what's going on. The guy's telling him not to leave, that this is going to be handled right now. And Alejandro knows what he's doing is he's calling backup. He's calling other gang members to come and, you know, help him with this situation. So that's more than Alejandro ever wanted out of this he says mom let's go now we're not going to stick around here we're not going to wait around here let's just get up to grandma's house pack up your car let's go he gets his kids into his car sierra's helping him pack uh you know his mom is struggling with her dog in the dog crate and they're getting ready to leave when the neighbor comes from upstairs and uh, he's got a big chair, a heavy kitchen chair. He raises it up over his head, smashes it down into the sidewalk, advances on Alejandro, screaming about, I told you not to leave, MF, or I told you not to leave. And he's swinging this club. And Alejandro, to his credit, anticipated something like this, or he anticipated other gang members coming. Um, he had grabbed his mom's 9 millimeter from the shelf where she keeps it inside her apartment to have on him while they were packing in case anything happened, anything like this happened. And when the guy came at him with a club, 
Alejandro shot him. Shot him about five or six times. And uh, the guy died. Now Alejandro's facing first-degree murder charges and a couple of gun charges. Uh, gun used in the commission of a crime of violence and handgun on per person. And this was as much self-defense as self-defense can be. It's not just self-defense. It was defense of his two young children, defense of his fiance, and defense of his elderly mother. In Maryland, there are four components to self-defense. You have to be in fear. If you're going to use deadly force, you got to be in fear of your life or grievous bodily injury. That fear has to be reasonable. Uh, you can't use more force than is necessary to stop the threat, and you have to make an attempt to retreat if retreat's possible. Alejandro is being attacked by a guy with a club. His fear was reasonable. He had the fear. He used deadly force against deadly force. That club could have easily killed him. Um, and as far as retreat goes, he was, he had his back against his car. Retreat would have been very difficult for him with this guy running at him. Uh, you, you know, this 26 year old gang member running at him with a club. But if he had left, he would have left his mother vulnerable, his children vulnerable and his wife vulnerable. And there is no way this man was going to do that. And I use the word man advisedly. He stood up like a man and protected what was important to him. That's the very essence of self-defense and defense of others. It's unfortunate that there's a dead young man right now. Alejandro did not ask for that young man to come downstairs out of his apartment with a chair, smash it into the ground, pick up a club, and advance on him, swinging the club. He didn't ask for any of that. Alejandro was actually trying to get up to New York and defuse the situation. So, in the aftermath, um, the gang member is left on the sidewalk. I've got video of this because I've received discovery in the case. The club is right next to him. The police provide first aid, but he dies later on at the hospital. Um, I want your audience to understand or, or try to at least put themselves in Alejandro's shoes. He's expecting additional gang members to show up. He tells his mom, get in the car, let's go, let's get out of here. But he's not going to have his children there when the other gang members show up. His mom refused. She wasn't going to go anywhere. She stopped and waited to talk to the police. When they came, Alejandro took his kids back to Georgia. He got his family safe, checked himself into a VA, and turned himself in. He called up to Maryland and said, hey, I'm here at this VA. You can come get me. My family's safe. Um, his mother, like I said, stuck around to talk to the police. I don't know what she was thinking. She should have been very afraid. Luckily, in this instance, the Baltimore police got there within a reasonable amount of time, enough time to actually still see the uh, deceased breathing and try to render first aid and all the rest. Uh, they got there before the other gang members got there. Now, how do I know the other gang members got there? They took his mother to the police station to give a statement. 
and I watch her give the statement and describe all this that happened. And then they bring her back to her apartment. And in that hour or so, hour and a half, her apartment's already been broken into. It's been vandalized. Nothing's been stolen except pictures of Alejandro. Pictures of Alejandro were stolen by the gang members so that they knew who to target when they have the opportunity to target him. Um, that's, that's, that's the story. Now, there's some legal stuff in there about the gun charges that I anticipate. And by the way, um, if your audience is concerned and they want to help out, we can definitely use some help here. I think there are, are going to be some constitutional defenses. Uh, the place to go to get Aliandro's story and to make a donation if you'd like to help him is givesendgo.com slash justice for Aliandro. That's A-L-E-J-A-N-D-R-O. Justice for Aliandro. Uh, but I think there are significant constitutional issues. Um, there's a very famous gun rights case called Heller versus DC. And it was an opinion written by Justice Scalia that held that uh, the Constitution does provide a right for every American to keep a gun in their home for self-defense. But that's all it holds, is that you can have a gun in your home for self-defense. It doesn't say anything about using the gun in your curtilage or in your front yard or somebody else using your gun in self-defense. And that's what happened here. Alejandro took his mother's gun into the front yard to defend his family and himself against this gang member. So Heller is going to have to be extended a little bit because it just doesn't make any sense at all that you can use a gun inside your house, but you can't take a gun into your front yard in anticipatory self-defense when your family has been threatened and when your own life has been threatened. To say that you have to leave the gun inside and face the threat outside is just ridiculous. So, Mike, th this is an amazing story. We're going to have to take our second break right quick. But uh, sure. we'll be back with Mike Stark talking about Alejandro's, Gonzalez's position, and where is it at and where is it going right after a couple of messages. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at firearmliquidationservice at outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. 
Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio. Or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall. And we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And you're listening to David's Pick on America's Web Radio. We appreciate you tuning in. And we've got attorney Mike Stark on the line with us talking about the case of Alejandro Gonzalez, uh, Georgia boy and... uh, also a veteran, and all veterans should be listening to this. Uh, it's an amazing story, and we've got to get some help to uh, Alejandro and his team of attorneys. And with that being said, uh, Mike, I'll turn it back over to you. I, where are we at in the uh, with Alejandro? Is and it seems to me like, from what you've said and what I've learned about this. Uh, he's being denied his rights of due process. You know, I don't know that he's being denied his right to due process. Um, It's just that due process is taking some time. Uh, He will have a bail hearing uh, this this Thursday afternoon. Uh, A first sergeant that he served with has um, graciously offered his home for Alejandro to use on house arrest while he waits, awaits trial. Um, so we're very, very hopeful that I'll at least be able to get him out of the hell that is the Baltimore City Jails. Hmm. Um, you know, I could talk another hour about how understaffed and undermanned and what a, uh, you know, just absolutely atrocious place these jails are, but um, I don't think that's what you want to hear today. What you do want to hear is the posture of his case. He is charged with first-degree murder, and I couldn't figure it out. I, I talked to the police officer, the detective in charge of the investigation. He told me everything that I told you folks held up. You, you know, and, and then I got discovery in the case, and I saw the video of the club right next to the deceased's and the broken chair at the top of the hill. And I just couldn't figure out why the state wasn't seeing this through the same very clear eyes that I'm seeing it through and understand that this is the first, that this is a self-defense case. It's not first-degree murder. And then I started going through discovery, and I finally got to the medical examiner's report, and I think I know what's going on. Five of the six bullets that entered the deceased went from back to front. So he's got three bullets in a line across his, you know, essentially shoulder blades, uh, spine, and then the other shoulder. And then another one that went in, you know, by the elbow on the backside. And at first, I was, I, I was distraught because I believed in Alejandro and his mom and his mother, and I had been to the scene, and I talked to witnesses that nobody had seen the shooting, but they 
heard the argument and heard the shots and all the shots happened in like as fast as you could pull the trigger. They couldn't count the number of shots, but they knew that they all happened within three seconds. And I couldn't figure out how this guy ended up being shot in the back. And and then I was on my way to visit Alejandro to ask him because at this point I'm I'm really concerned. I've talked to Sierra's girlfriend and she says they need new medical examiners in, in, in Maryland. They did something wrong. I saw the shooting. I saw it happen. And, and I know, I know he shot him when he was running at him swinging the club. And I'm sitting in the waiting area to go see Alejandro, and it dawns on me. Are you a baseball fan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so picture yourself a batter standing in a batter's box with a bat. Mm-hmm. About to hit a ball, and you take a swing, and you overswing because you're running down a hill. And when you swing, even you turn your back. baseball batters, you, yeah, you turn your back. Uh, your groin ends up being pointed at the pitcher. Your 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 buttocks don't face the uh, face the pitcher. Your groin does, but your whole back twists around. So this person died, the deceased, who was shot once from front to back in the groin area, and then all the other uh, rounds entered in his back area, and it's because he was running down the hill swinging a club, and and, and it just dawned on me that that's what happened, And uh, but I, I don't think the state has realized that's what happened yet, so I think the state is coming at us trying to say this isn't self-defense, that this person was actually, you know, had his back turned or tried running away. I, The problem with these cases are, you know, there's nearly 400 murders in Baltimore last year. Mm. And there can only be so many murder prosecutors. And in each one of the cases, they have to piece all the facts together, and it takes time. You don't do it in a day. So if you do the math on that, you know, they're halfway through their murder cases from, from 2021, and we're already, you know, a few days anyway into 2022. So it's going to be a little while before they even look closely at Alejandro's case. What they've done so far is they've taken a look at the medical examiner's report. They, they think they have a general idea. Uh, we will be talking with them. We'll be uh, dissuading them of this notion. In fact, they're going to hear a little bit more from us at the uh, bail hearing on Thursday. And it may be the first time that they hear that our theory of the case is that he was swinging the club, and that's how he ended up being shot in the back. And, um, you know, uh, hopefully they'll they'll change their mind and they'll they'll you know, get to a place where they can start negotiating some kind of plea. Here's the other thing, though. He's also got gun charges against him. And it's it places a defense attorney in a very difficult spot. You know what Alejandro wants? Out. Alejandro wants to get back to his kids. He wants to see his kids grow up. He spent six months in jail. And if the state were to offer some kind of plea to you know, handgun on person with time served, he'd probably take that. But what ends up happening is if we take that plea, 
we aren't able to prove him not guilty because we think he is not guilty. Anticipatory self-defense should be a defense against him having the handgun on person. But because Alejandro may want to just get back to his family and put this in his rearview mirror, we may end up taking a plea and he ends up pleading to something that maybe he doesn't, maybe he shouldn't, or maybe he doesn't deserve, but at least it ends all these problems for him right now. So that's what we're working with uh, legally. We're, we're trying to figure out what the path forward is. If uh, Alejandro wants to fight every one of the charges, it could mean more time under either in jail or under house arrest. If he gets house arrest, if he's willing to, you know, accept some responsibility for taking the gun out of the house, and I don't think he deserves it, but I absolutely would understand if he said, "Yeah, I want to put. The, I want to get back to Georgia. I want to get back to my business. I want to get back to my children. I want to get back to my. I want my life back." I, I, I don't know who could ever blame him for for making that decision. No. So that's where we are uh, legally right now. I, I did tell you that. Uh, yeah, I did tell you. I think that you know uh, the gang membership. Part of this is going to be very big, considering that, you know, the mother's house had been broken into. Uh, it, it just absolutely um, bolsters the case for self-defense here. So I actually feel somewhat confident with regards to the first-degree murder charge. I don't think he's going to end up with any conviction because Baltimore is sick and tired of the violence. And they know they've got a gang problem. And every human being on the planet knows you don't bring your kids to a visit with grandma to do a first-degree murder. You simply don't. Everyone can imagine what would happen if they, would, if they were put in that position. And honest to God, I hope I'm the man Alejandro was. I hope I would have the foresight to grab my mom's weapon off the bookshelf to protect my family. And then I hope that I wouldn't bug out and decide not to shoot when I should have shot instead of seeing my mom hurt. Mike, go over again how people can uh, contribute to Alejandro. So we've got a website set up. It's Give, Send, Go. And actually, this is another part of the story. We had a GoFundMe set up where we had raised... $15,000 almost for his defense and give, send, go. I'm sorry, GoFundMe pulled the plug. GoFundMe, I, I don't know what their um, problem was with this case. They say they won't allow fundraisers that have anything to do with a crime of violence that involves hate or, you know, misogyny or, or you know, they've got this long list, uh, you know, gender, stuff like that. None of this happened here. This is just a clear-cut case of self-defense, and GoFundMe took our fundraising. The nearly $15,000 we had raised to each one of the individual donors. So we took our fundraiser over to a platform called Give, Send, Go. We are at givesendgo.com slash justice for Alejandro. Alejandro is spelled A-L-E-J-A-N-D-R-O. So it's give 
sendgo.com slash justice for Alejandro. That's F-O-R spelled out, not the number four. Justice for Alejandro. Um, and we're using that money, you know, obviously for the defense. We're, we are not leaving anything to chance in this defense. We're going to impanel a mock jury and we're going to do a mock trial and make sure that, uh, you know, the arguments that we're making are the arguments that are going to be most effective in front of a Baltimore jury. You know, we're going to need to hire experts uh, in, I, I don't even know if I'm saying the word right, but kinesthesiology or, or something like that. You, you know, it's essentially sports movement. We're going to have to hire an expert to say that, yes, you know, it's entirely likely, not just plausible, but likely that a person swinging a club as they're running down a hill is going to end up in a position where their back is toward the person they're swinging the club at. Uh, would it, would it make know, any difference uh, which hand he was holding the club in? I think it probably would. Uh, yeah, of course. Well, yeah, I think so because he's running down a hill. So I don't think it would be possible for him to be holding the club in his left hand as he's running down a hill uh, and swinging it. You've pretty much got to be holding it in your right hand. Uh, if you're running down a hill, I'm trying I, – I just think – and, and the person you're swinging the club at is on your – right side, I think it would be very difficult to swing across your body as you're running down a hill with your left hand. So, yeah, uh, and then the uh, club was found next to the deceased's right hand as well. And by the way, we're not mentioning the, mentioning the gang or, look, you can find the deceased's name in news reports, obviously. But one thing we don't want to do is unnecessarily poke any bears. And what I mean by bears here is gangs. This gang is a national gang. It's a gang that you've all heard of. Everybody that's ever heard of any gang has heard of this gang. And uh, their reach extends certainly into Atlanta. So another thing that we're doing with uh, money that we're raising is Alejandro's probably going to have to sell his house and relocate uh, because the property records, you know, are in his name right now. So he's going to have to establish an LLC and, you know, do the civilian equivalent of witness protection. Do whatever he can to take himself off any target list, or at least if he's going to be on a target list, make it difficult to be targeted. So, yeah, we're raising money for, you know, defense purposes for, for, and then for the family that's left without an income while Alejandro is locked up. Uh, you know, um, he's got two kids. They need school supplies. <laughs> they need uh, all the things that kids need growing up in Sierra. You know, his fiance, uh, she's, she's driving in an Uber now and she's doing her best to help the family. But, um, you know, with COVID and all the rest going on, it's just it's just difficult. So, yeah, give send go slash justice for Aliandro. This, you know, when you think of 
the word, I don't know, this was an eye-opener for me. I go to Nationals baseball games, and I'm asked to take off my cap in the fourth inning to honor all the veterans and the heroes. And until I got this case, I think I, like 50,000 or 40,000 other people in the stadium, took off my hat as a sign of respect for, you know, this kind of undefined, vague idea of what a veteran hero is. But when you dig into a veteran hero's service record, and you see what this person actually did under fire, and you see the cost that's been imposed on him, you see his medical records, and what he's given, and then you see that he's come back to the States and given even more, found a way to make himself even more useful in a meaningful, impactful way, in a way that's going to affect people's lives. Mike, we, uh, we, need to, hat off for. we need to take our last break, and we'll be back with Mike Stark right after this. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericaGigitsBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on America's Web Radio on David's Pick. And uh, this has been quite interesting. And uh, I want to share first off that uh, Mike Stark has done a wonderful job explaining uh, the case of um, Alejandro Gonzalez in Baltimore. And uh, I guess the first thing that came to my mind, no matter who you are, what you are, veteran or non-veteran, is that say a silent prayer every day for Alejandro that uh, he will overcome and he will be reunited with his family. And uh, I know I'm going to add him to my list and uh, hope that you will too and that if you can afford to support it, uh, that site, once again, Mike, is... It's givesendigo.com slash justice for Alejandro. And let me tell you people... Um, the prayers have worked. When we went into this, Alejandro didn't have any money for lawyers. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to take his case. I talked to my law partner, um, and he didn't have enough money to pay our firm. 
Um, we, I'm going to be frank with you, would not have been the right choice for him to represent him anyway. Uh, and that's because I have never taken a murder case to trial. And Alejandro wasn't going to be my first murder case. This case is just too important for a newbie or a novice or, you know, a lawyer without murder trial experience to use. Uh, Alejandro just wasn't going to be a guinea pig. So, so I wasn't going to take his case. What I did do was tell him that I would try to get him bailed. I would try to get him out on bail. And while I was doing that, I would try to help him raise the money to hire effective counsel that I know he would be in good hands with. And um, I was able to do that. Um, I started telling his story. I was an activist before I was a lawyer. Your uh, audience might not like this, but, but, but I was a left-wing activist. I actually worked for... And, and hopefully your audience will chuckle at this rather than, you know, just hate me. Uh, but I worked for American Bridge, which is a George Soros-funded organization. And, and I actually did some work on gun control. So I come to this from a very different place than a lot of your listeners. It doesn't matter. Alejandro is who Alejandro is. And Alejandro is a hero. And he did nothing wrong on Labor Day weekend. He did everything right. He protected his family against a violent gang member. So there was no way I was going to abandon Alejandro. I'll tell you, a little bit of that had to do with a little bit of, you know, I'm not going to call it survivor skills because I didn't survive anything, but I did four years in the Marines uh, from 1985 to 1990. I did a little bit longer than four years because I was held over on medical leave right at the end. But, uh, I always, I got out in 1990, and I always felt a little bit guilty that all of my friends went over to Kuwait in the first Gulf War, and uh, I wasn't there with them. Now, we were air wings, so we were far away from anything, and that first uh, Iraq war, from what I understand, was more of a, you know, kind of target practice than anything... Um, really resembling a war like we had with the insurgency in Iraq. But, um, you know, as somebody who spent four years in the service, I just wasn't, and then looking at Alejandro's service record, I wasn't going to let him go, and I didn't let him go. And I started writing about his case, and we were actually able to um, get the attention of the Firearms Policy Coalition. And they've come in with a sizable donation that allows Alejandro's defense to be paid for. We went out and we got Alejandro the attorneys he needs. All of this is to say that so far, the praying that people have been doing for Alejandro has paid off. Uh, look, we still need help. We need to get a not guilty verdict. We need to get him out of jail on bail. Keep the prayers coming. And. And, and obviously his family still needs financial help and we need to relocate him and all the all, all that too <coughs> excuse me so please uh, go to givesendgo.com slash justice for Alejandro and, and leave a couple of bucks for the family um, but the bottom line is 
Yes, yeah, some of the prayers have been answered so far. And I'm confident that when we get to the end of this case, um, we're going to end up with a good result for Alejandro. But it's going to take some time. Um, you know, right now, my immediate goal is next Thursday, he has a bond hearing. And we want to get him out on house re- home, home release, house detention, whatever you want to call it. If he is released to the home of his first sergeant, um, he'll be able to visit with his kids again, which is so important to him. And obviously, he'll be able to see his fiance and his mom. He's going to have to stay in the home. People will have to go there to visit him. But my heart is just going to sing out loud when I see Alejandro hugging his two sons. I hope I'm there for it. And I'm hoping it happens. There's no guarantee he's going to get bond. In fact, in Maryland, there's a presumption that you will get bail for everything that does not involve a body. So if first-degree murder, second-degree murder, manslaughter, there's a presumption against bail that we have to overcome. Now, I think we have a really good chance of overcoming it because legally what we're looking at is whether or not he's a flight risk and whether or not there's any future danger. Well, he turned himself in. He's not a flight risk. And as far as future danger goes, the only reason this happened is because he was attacked by a gang member. The evidence in all the videos in the statement of charges in the witness statements, it all backs off the fact that he was attacked by a guy with a heavy club who had come from downstairs with this heavy chair to make a club after he smashed it into the sidewalk. So there's no future dangerousness. The problem is when there's a body, judges are just very, very reluctant to grant bond. So pray for that. If you want to make some immediate prayers, pray for success at his bond hearing, and then your longer-term prayers, pray for success in the case overall. Did you have any other questions for me? How's he holding up? Better. Um, When I first went to see him in jail, he had to sleep with one eye open. He told me he'd rather be back in the mix in Iraq. He didn't use that word. But he'd rather be in Iraq or Afghanistan than than in that jail. And I think that's still true. He told me that on my last visit as well. But when he first got there, he truly had to sleep with one eye open because he, he was worried about gang retribution. He did not know for sure the affiliation of the gang member. And in Baltimore, there's one giant gang that is not the gang with the national scope that I'm not going to say the name of. Hmm. And he was really worried that the person he killed was a member of the big Baltimore gang. Um, It wasn't. It, It was somebody else. So... I was able to research that for him. I was able to go back to the neighborhood and start asking around and find out exactly what the affiliation was. And that provided some measure of relief, but he's also figured out the system in jail. You know, he he's, he pretty much, you know, keeps to himself. He counsels some younger guys that, you know, just like he was doing when he was uh, 
he he's very street smart. I mean, he's working with at-risk kids in his boxing program, so he can talk to people in this in this jail man to man and and earn their respect. And he's been able to do that. Oh, that's good. That's good. He's been there for you know almost four months now, and. Yeah, like I said, he's doing a lot better today than he was when I first saw him about three months ago. Well, we're going to replay this show a number of times, and uh, we hope that uh, people will listen in and be able to uh, give to him. And with that being said, Mike, thank you very much. You and I will keep in touch and keep me posted on how it goes. And... um, we will, like I said, we will be in touch and uh, look forward to being back with you again soon. Yeah, I should have some news for you Thursday afternoon about that bot here. Okay, thank you. You're listening Thanks. to America's Web Radio, and uh, stay tuned for more. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.